0: Hey folks so i've got another amazing guest on the line today it goes by the name of jamie alderton and i first came across jamie when i was uh, in my competing days back in 2015 so i'd been competing for a while at that point but in 2015 is when i turned pro and that's when i actually found out about jamie alderton on instagram and i started absorbing his content and then uh And then, before you know it, I had him preparing me for first coach I had to prepare me for a show in 2016 for the World Championships in Toronto. And before I actually get him to chime in, I'm just gonna just it's very hard to sum this guy up because he's achieved so much in uh, in a short amount of time, and uh, he has a hell of a story behind him. But reading off the back of his new book, Meltdown, because I think this sums it up really well. Essentially, Jamie is, Jamie is a best-selling author and social media expert who helps thousands of people develop their body, brain, and business. He runs one of the top body transformation challenges in the UK and has broken world records with his feats of endurance in sled pushing, backwards running, and box jumping. He balances the entire act with his family life as a loving husband and father of two. This guy is a champion. How are you doing, Jamie?
1: What an introduction. Mine, <laughs> how are you? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm good,
0: thanks, mate. How are, how are you over oh, there?
1: Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, good. Not It's, it's not. Not as early as you. It's the evening here. Uh, well, say so it's the afternoon here, and it's the evening. Uh, it's, it's the early morning where you are. So, yeah. all good, mate. All good.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Now, I uh, listened listened back to our last episode, which was uh, it was episode twelve. That was two years ago. This is now episode number number ninety four. So, um, yeah, last time I had you on was two years ago, and uh, I, I listened back to the audio, Jane, and I thought, wow, I need to I need to liven myself up a little bit this time. I did sound half asleep. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um no i remember jane when i uh when i started tuning into your podcast that was a uh that was a game changer for me um because yours was one of the first podcasts i started listening to mindset with muscle and um yeah it was just a complete game changer for me and you know i just wanted to just wanted to clarify the fact that you know your, your, your podcast was great and and how
1: is the podcast going nowadays jane So I'm, I'm kind of transitioning to a, another podcast, which I'm launching next month, more focused on personal trainers and business development. Um, mindset muscle is something I always enjoyed doing and will continue to do later on in the year. Um, and it's just getting that kind of structure with it because I'm juggling a lot of things at the moment. And obviously the key for me is balance and, you know, it's, Doing the things that I enjoy doing, which I do enjoy the podcast, um, which is why it's going to be coming back, but also just, just structuring things out. But yeah, I mean, the Minds with Muscle podcast has been phenomenal for the last kind of three years. The, you know, there's so many people in the fitness industry that was doing podcasts about, you know, nutrition and training, but no one was really, you know, doing it on the mindset. And it was something that's always fascinated me. Um it, a while ago, I say say a while ago, quite a long time ago, um, I was in the army for seven years and then I worked for the, the US government in psychological operations. So it's always fascinated me, the kind of psychology of people um and you know it's been some somewhat of a passion of mine over the past few years just delving into the mindsets of other people and and seeing what makes them tick and and of course seeing what makes me tick as well something that you know i've always kind of been with my comp prep days is very self-aware you know i'd always coached myself um held myself accountable to things and you know it's kind of a a blessing and a curse so to speak absolutely yeah i mean 'Cause
0: you you had so many great guests on your podcast and it's so true what you say there, you know, it is what it kind of says, right? Mindset with muscle. You you know and I just wanted you to to kind of delve a little bit deeper into uh just to briefly explain your journey for the for the new listeners, Jane, because uh, obviously there's there's a lot of new listeners now. So uh yeah, if you could just
1: give me a heads up on that, mate. Yeah, sure. I mean, as as you mentioned, my kind of three passions are body, brain and business. You know, I started kind of with the body as in, you know, I left the army after seven years, started, uh, competing, competed in natural bodybuilding, the fitness model modeling, you know, won a British and European championship. And that you know, was a huge passion of mine. And, and it still is, you know, I still love going to the gym. I still love, still love training. Um, but as the years go on and I get a little bit grayer, uh, kind of, Transition more into the body and the brain and trying to understand what makes the brain tick. And something that I always say is transformation always starts from the neck up. So if you get your head right, it tends to fall in line, the body does. And over the years, you know, I've had a a lot of success with coaching people. You know, I've um, had many different businesses. I open my own gym facility from scratch. You know, I run one of the top online fat loss challenges and I spend a lot of time coaching other fitness professionals on social media and business. And it kind of a realization that business is very much like your body. You know, it's something that is a massive passion of mine, something that needs to be worked on daily and something that you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone for. So I found a lot of commonalities between business and your body. Um, and that kind of central thing is that they, they both need your brain firing and all cylinders. And, you know, I, I, I'd say from a business point of view and a body kind of view, I kind of push my body to the extremes. I've done a lot of crazy stuff over the years, uh, competing at a high level in physique competitions and pushing myself for charity events, which I've done a lot of crazy 24 hour endurance events with. And uh, they all kind of fall hand in hand with. You know, that kind of those three B's, body, brain and business, because I'm always fascinated with, you know, when I do something, you know, trying to trying to kind of push the boundaries, but also know where my limits are, because I've kind of pushed the other way many a times. And, you know, I think that's the important thing about understanding with balance is, you know, life isn't perfect. You sometimes go too much or too little. But then that's how you find that balance because you either do, you know, you either push things to the extremes and it breaks and then you need to ease off or, you know, you ease off a little bit too much and then you need to put your foot down. Uh, It's something that, you know, I've experimented a lot with some, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes over the years and, uh, you know, I've benefited from those mistakes as well because I've learned my best lessons from them. Mm. Hmm.
0: Amazing stuff. Yeah. So
1: I guess kind of tracking
0: back to your, to your first book, Mindset with Muscle, which I believe was released at the end of 2016, because just, just to verify for the listeners, I know you got, um, you got made redundant back in the day from your role, your role with, the uh, the services, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I left the army and I was basically working, I, I had kind of a contract job. So I started working in the, um, in the Middle East for, the US and then I moved over to Kenya and Somalia where I was security advisor for UN and it was actually the UN job that I got made redundant from. Oh right. And that and that kind of forced me to follow my passion because in 2012 I was like, you know, jobless and about just put all my money down on a mortgage basically and had nothing in the bank. And I and I I was just wondering what on earth I should do. And the first time I've ever done this in my life is is just started to write things down and you know everything was pointing towards being a personal trainer and I was always reluctant to do it because I was thought, you know don't put your you know don't follow your passion for that because you'll end up resenting it and you know it couldn't have been so wrong because as soon as I started doing it you know, it was a it was a massive struggle because I had to put about 16000 pounds on my credit card. I had to borrow my dad's bike because I couldn't afford a car. Um, and opened my little studio in this countryside and got to work. And within three years, I, I was one of the best known you know personal trainers in the UK. You know, I had a massive book of clients and that, that enabled me to, you know, build my dream gym facility three years later. So it's been you know, an up and down of of struggle and success and mindset muscle. When I wrote it in 2016, was kind of that that first volume of my life going from you know from nothing really to where I currently was. And um, you know, it was it was quite sorry, it wasn't funny in the least bit. But I kind of ticked every single box in 2016, and I was just like, all right, cool, you've built your dream know gym facility you know you've, you've broken this world record and set loads of you know given loads of money to, for charity you've wrote you've written this best-selling book oh and your podcast is number one uh, and you know suddenly I started to feel miserable and you, you kind of don't want to tell anybody because you know they're not going to listen they're like well look at the year you've had you know stop whinging kind of thing mm. and you know I went into a really dark hole Um, at the end of 2016 and I felt really guilty about it because I was just like I've ticked every box but it was a realization that the boxes I hadn't ticked was the was mainly the reason I was doing it all for and it was for uh, you know a happy life and for my family you know I've had my wife and my daughter was uh, three years old at the time and I just realized in 2016 that I hadn't spent hardly any time with them I was so you know kind of selflessly giving myself to strangers and selfishly focusing on, you know, creating this business and this brand and it all kind of went to pop and kind of went through a massive transition for about three months to try and understand what on earth went wrong and how I go about fixing it. And, uh, you know, the new book Meltdown talks about that journey through the end of 2016 and 2017 on, you know, the things that i did um, and tried and you know succeeded with to kind of get myself out of that hole and i think the book really resonates with a lot of people because they've either been there before or they're experiencing it now and you know a lot of people have read it they resonate with one or two chapters if not you know more chapters with their own lives and you know a lot of it isn't telling people what they need to do it's just giving people you know kind of anecdotes based on what I did and what helped me and the great thing about that is people are going out and trying it for themselves and getting incredible results from it and it's nice because you know people are experiencing those kind of breakthrough feelings that I had with the discoveries throughout that kind of year two years of building myself back up
0: incredible it must be yeah it must be a good feeling because uh that obviously the last book you smashed it with that book and, and that was kind of a bit of a I know you probably assumed it was gonna do well, but it was a bit of a shock at first, I believe, right? When you, you just got number one yeah. in Amazon, boom.
1: Yeah, and it was, you know, I, something I say to people all the time is I failed GCSE English. You know, I, I struggle to to write the book because I'm I'm not a natural, natural born writer, let alone, you know, any good at grammar. Um, but I found that you know, a lot of people found that quite inspirational because it's you know, something that I don't do is allow that kind of thing to stop me. I try and find a way. And I think so many people need to kind of adopt that mentality because there's lots of limits that people put on themselves, which causes them to stop doing the things that they really want to do. And you know, I've been very fortunate that, you know, I've been very self-aware and I've built up that confidence through, you know, small wins throughout many years to, to basically give myself that pat on the back to say, yeah, 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 what's the worst that can happen? Mm.
0: You are one of these people, Jamie. You're, you're literally the only person I look at and I'm like, I, I still, I'm still like, how on, in God's name does he do it? You know, it's, you're like, you're like Superman. Even since in 2015, when I started following you and actually came to the gym that you were running at the time, because on top of all this stuff you were juggling, I don't know if you, I think you did mention, you were actually running a gym at this point and And uh, I came down to the gym to meet you when you were you're prepping me for the show. We done a session together. And I was just like, you know, how the hell does he do it? And I still look at you now and I'm like, you know, how does he, how does he do all this? And obviously in 2016, you know, you were doing all this, uh, you had the gym as well. And then, you know, somebody's got to give us some point. And it was at the end of 2016. Right. And, um, you said you hit the peak. You said, obviously you, uh, the the book got number one and then you went number one with a podcast on iTunes. Um, How did that feel, James, you know, hitting that peak? And then at what point did you start
1: noticing? Shit, something's wrong here. I think, I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, for, for a few days, I felt like I was walking on a cloud. I was like, this is what real success feels like. It feels great. And, I'm very reflective and it was around that Christmas period and something that I do is I, I kind of do a yearly review and and I think so many people should really focus on this because I could have easily spent you know that review writing down what went right but one thing that I like to do with any kind of review is what went wrong and what I didn't manage to do and it, it took you know it was such a whirlwind year that it took until December to realise So much that I, I didn't pay attention to, you know, so much that I didn't do. And, and, and and it was a huge realization for me that I was just like, you know, I didn't have that connection with people. I was very kind of robotic, very kind of just focused and not really emotional, just ticking boxes left, right and center. And, and You know, it's all very well ticking boxes and and, and that. But if you keep up like this, then there's not going to be anyone around to share all these wins with. And I think that's a realization that, you know, people want success and people want all this money and fame. But, you know, a lot of people that I see who are very focused on that end up very lonely because all the people that are supporting them tend to leave because they don't feel valued. And I kind of really, really start to feel guilty after that. And, um, you know, that's why I wanted to write the second book because so many people were shocked, you know, they were shocked that, you know, uh, that I could do all of this and and then suddenly couldn't cope with it. Um, and what I think that allows people to see is that, you know, you can put people on pedestals and say they're superhuman, but really they're just human. You know, they have feelings, they have emotions that, you know, they all feel the same things that you feel and it's how they cope and deal with it. And sometimes from the outside that's, that looks, you know, that looks like they're, they're taking the world on their shoulders and, you know, taking it in their stride. But a lot of the time they're not. And that's something that I wanted to show people that, you know, I, I, there was a lot of things that I wasn't doing. And uh, one, I think one of the greatest things about releasing the book last year and and the, one of the reasons that i wanted to get it out before christmas was that 2019 was more or less identical with the boxes that i ticked for the, uh, you know in 2016 you know i built a new business because i closed down the gym and built a new business um i, I did another crazy charity event and, and broke another world record i obviously wrote a new book um and i did everything that I did in 2019 plus my you know, wife had our son Archer. So add, you know, add, add another kid into the mix <laughs> and, and you know, I probably done more in 2019 than, than 2016. But one thing that I did different is I probably had half that time off, off social media with people that I love and, and with my family. And that was kind of a, Uh, you know a massive smile on my face because we went out to australia for three weeks over christmas and it was amazing because i'd achieved more but the difference is i i managed to celebrate all of those wins with the people around me that i loved and i gave my undivided attention to those people and i think a lot of people you know if 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 you were to take anything away from that. A lot of people think that you need to make a lot of sacrifices for success. And yes, you do maybe initially, but you've also got to be realistic. You know, I'm not just a, you know, a a business owner and and do all of these things. I'm also a dad. I'm also a husband. And these are on the big list of priorities in my life. You know, these are non-negotiables. You know, the reason that I'm building the business and, and I do what I do is for them. So, if I'm spending too much time doing that, then I've got it the wrong way around. And to kind of prove to myself that you can be, you know, just have, or have just as much success and still have that had a massive smile on my face and it, and it allowed me to change a lot of things in the way that I viewed, you know, the whole hustle and get shit done. And, you know focus because yeah that's important of course it is you know you need to be focused you need to hustle and grind but you also need time off and you know what we learn when it comes to muscle building and hypertrophy is stress plus rest equals growth and so many people just focus on that stress part in order to get growth but without the rest you're not going to achieve it so And I know so many people, you know, you know, from competitors, a rest day is very, very difficult, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, you get into the zone and you just want to train, but more isn't always better because that's when you get injured, Yep. you know, and this is exactly the same for your brain as well as your body. You're not giving your brain rest and recovery. It's going to get injured. And the trouble with kind of mental injuries is they're not as visible as body uh, injuries because you can easily hide them from people. So adopting those same kind of principles of growth to, you know, my brain and most importantly my business too has enabled me to see that growth. And that's the difference that I saw over three years. And it's the rest part. You know, it's not feeling guilty taking a day off. It's not feeling guilty, you know, responding to every message and email um, and and, you know, realizing you're only one person and you need to have that time off.
0: Massive, massive learning curve you then, Jamie. And, uh, I only actually received, as I said off air, only received your new book, uh, like two days ago, but I've already, already looked through it. And, um, it's, it's already going to be, uh, pretty transformative for me, really, because, um, I've already learned from the part, I guess this is what we were just talking about, but, um, you talk about like the four legs on a stool in terms of your overall health or, or, for your, you know, to optimize your body, brain, and business. And you've got health, wealth, productivity, and
1: creativity. And um, yeah, con- yeah. Connectivity. Oh, sorry, um, sorry, sorry,
0: sorry. Connectivity. My
1: bad. Yeah. yeah, And, uh, and yeah, they're, they're four really important things. Um, health, of course, I think, um, I'm just having a, a quick look through my phone because I, I made a note of a, of an actual quote, um, and it's by Confucius, and it says, "A sick man only wants one thing; a healthy man wants ten thousand things." And we, so many people take their health for granted, but when you get sick, when you get ill, everything else goes out the window because you're only focused on one thing. Health is such an important thing. Of course, you want to spend as as long as possible on this planet. So, reviewing on a daily basis that health and the things that you're doing towards you know improving it is important wealth of course you know we're not just talking about how much money you've got in the bank we're talking about social wealth as well you know we're talking about how many people around you that are supporting you we're talking about of course you know you're building up your business you're you know you're financially becoming successful too that's important and and measuring and managing that is so important. Unfortunately, so many people don't. When they don't see the money that they have in the bank, they think not looking at their balance will make it go away. But it doesn't. And it's exactly the same with problems that you have with, you know, socially. If you ignore anything, it gets worse. Um, productivity. So many people procrastinate. You know, we we've kind of done a massive flip-turn in this world where 20, 30 years ago. You know, it's very hard to get information unless we paid for it. And uh, nowadays, you've got everything at your fingertips. And the trouble that we have now is we've got so much at our fingertips that, we're, we, you know, it's decision fatigue. You know, everyone goes on Netflix and takes you 25 minutes to try and figure out what you want to watch. It was much easier 30 years ago when you only had four channels. So it's learning how to become more productive by switching off. And focusing on a few things that are going to push the needle forward instead of everything. And then connectivity, the one that I completely screwed up was you know, if you're not spending time with real people, you know, social media isn't social. You know, what social is going for a coffee with your friend, what social is going to the cinema with your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend. You know, all of these things actually connecting with real people make a difference and the analogy of a stall is if one of them is out then that stall is wobbly you need to focus on all four to have that balance yeah
0: and um i'd like to talk about that last one actually which i butchered earlier so um <laughs> connect, connect connectivity not not creativity but that is that was actually my lowest score connectivity and uh i like the way you've uh you've put it together the book because it is so kind of you know simplified in terms of what it is right and connectivity for me is uh, for example you know I spend a lot of time now because I'm I'm building stuff online and you know I'm I'm just getting absorbed into it and you know I've got like I, I'm not being as strict on my evening routine and stuff like that and Basically, I scored really. That was my lowest score: the connectivity. Because I'm not, I'm not really putting enough effort in um, to, to you know, for those human interactions and actually, like you said, social media is not social. I'm spending a lot of time on there, which, as you say, if anything, is the opposite to to proper human, you know, connection. So um, yeah, that was a that was a bit of a wake up call for me. That one,
1: Jim, for sure. I got a I got a lot of work to do there. And I think it's a realization: if if you treated somebody else like you treated yourself they would they would probably not hang around for very long. Um and that's important to remember that you've you've got to look after yourself and in order for you to look after yourself, we've got to add that rest part. Because if you're trying to grow a business, you need to t- you need to switch off from it. You know you you've had a you know, there must have been a time where you had a day off or a weekend off or went on holiday and then suddenly you realize you you've got this you've got all these ideas. You know that creativity um which you spoke about starts coming back yep you start you start writing things down you start mapping things out you start getting excited for the things that you are not excited about before mm-hmm. all of that comes about when does that come about does it come about when you're in the business or does it come about when you're outside not thinking about it and if you know that which you know it is then why aren't you spending more time out of that business to grow that business you know this is so so important especially with sleep i was the uh the four hour guy you know only need four hours sleep you know all this kind of thing if you sleep two hours less a day in a, in a year you get an extra month of being awake and getting shit done but the reality is you you don't get any shit done if you're tired in fact just things take longer to do and a well rested eight hours, you know, well rested Jamie who slept for eight hours can do a hell of a lot more than a, a, an up early four hour Jamie who's knackered throughout the day, um, and that comes down to that rest part. And it's so important to force yourself off those things, you know, I, and you have to go to extremes for it. You know, if I have my phone by my bed, I will. Quickly scroll Instagram or that before I go to sleep. So, the alternative is to put my phone downstairs. And I've just bought, you know, this year I bought an alarm clock because physically I cannot, you know, I've got a paper book by my bed and I've got an alarm clock to wake me up. And that's it. And that has changed my complete habit in the evening where I might just get triggered or answer that quick message or start thinking about something. Um, and that's enabled me potentially to get maybe an extra 20-30 minutes sleep a night but you think that's 20-30 minutes compounded over seven days compounded over a year how much more sleep that is and how much more energy I'm going to have for the next day and you know you've got to force yourself away from these things you know one thing I would do is go and buy yourself a like a a, a timed box or something or a, or a lock or a padlock or something and getting to a, a routine and a ritual of locking your phone away. And, and even if you've got a, you know, if you've got a partner or that gives them the key, because if you think about habits, it's very easy to pick up your phone and scroll. But if you happen to ask your other half for a key, you you're kind of fucked up really, because, <laughs> Actually, there's a lot of effort involved then and then getting the key, then opening the box and then doing it. By then, hopefully your brain said, what the fuck are you doing? And you've got to, this day and age, you've got to force yourself away from these habits that you have because, you know, running an online business, running a business involves a lot of social media time, a lot of interacting with people. But you can't do that all day long, you know. And I run an online business. The great thing about a physical business is you can close the door. And there's always someone that wants something, be it a question, an email, a query, and you need to allocate time for that. And eight o'clock at night is not the time for that. You know, eight o'clock at night is the time you down tools and you catch up with your other half or you whack, whack Netflix on and watch some zombies or something or, mm. you know, sp- spend time um, with your children. You know, these things will make you better. Definitely, and that's something I've been a bit lax with lately. Is in the
0: evening uh, over the last say few weeks, I, I get my phone. You know, you can put the settings on your phone, James, to like lock yeah. you out. But that's it. Doesn't I'm going to do what you said and just get my uh, get get a box uh, and lock yeah. it away.
1: Well, that's what I did. Um, I put my phone goes on obviously quiet mode and and it doles all the apps. Yep, and and that was good for a month. But then I started. Just getting into the habit of going back on it.
0: I'm glad you said so, that, James. I feel better now because yeah. that's exactly what happened to me. I was doing it. I was really strict. Wednesday and Saturday locks me out at 7 p.m. Perfect. Done it for a month, and now I'm back to my old ways. So I've got to just lock it away because um, I said even yesterday, for example, I was having issues, James. Yesterday, uh, basically, my computer filled up with memory. I was trying to post a podcast. You know, one of those days was a one-hour yeah, job. I know takes those you. days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It took I me know like those days. you know those you you know better than anyone, James. Um, but no, it took <laughs> me like something stupid, like four, or five. It was I was having issues four or five hours anyway mate I ended up going to bed later all that kind of stuff you know what I mean and it just it's kind of a appropriate time to mention that because uh, i was just like last night after actually skimming through your book as well and looking at the um productivity part as well um that's definitely something i got to work on now is delegating out the stuff that i uh that i don't enjoy as you say in your book because that that is what is it's it's, the, it's my lack of discipline obviously with the uh you know we're not not um being rigid with the night routine but it's also like trying to do too much and doing like you said on the in the book doing the things you don't like and then obviously you know expecting too much out of yourself i guess Jim.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, you've got to expect a lot of yourself, but you've also got to have limits on what you do. And you've also got to go to extremes to make sure they happen, especially with your mobile phone. You know, I, I say to people, yeah, that's me. You know, you've got to be extreme because it's like having a, it's like saying that you're giving up smoking, but still having a pack of cigarettes in your pocket. You know, you've really, you know, just saying, oh, I'm not going to be on my phone after eight and still, you know, just having it around means that you're just tempting fate too much. And I'm not saying any of this is easy. This takes a lot of work, but it's like any habit you get into, you start to see the benefit from the habit and, and then you you start to do it more. And that's what I found. You know, I've been so much happier in the evenings. I've been so much, you know, I, I go to sleep a lot more, I'm more productive and I'm like, Oh, hang on a minute. Why is this? Oh yeah. Get more sleep. I'm not triggered on my phone. I've got better routines. And it all compounds and it and it then becomes easier because you see the benefits of doing it. It's a bit like when you you know, you have a client that goes to the gym, they're lacking a bit of motivation, they're struggling a bit, and then they see us an old school friend that they haven't seen for twenty years and they're like, Oh my god, you look amazing. How motivated is that person then to eat healthy and go to the gym? Because suddenly they've just seen the benefits from all the hard work that they're putting in. Mm. And it's the same with habits as well.
0: Yep. That's exactly right. And um, whilst we're on that topic then, the morning routine as well, as something that I'm... Uh i'm a lot more rigid with but the night routine i feel at the moment is actually even more important for me but yeah talk us through how your morning looks jane because you're, you're just like you guess you're all over you know you're in the ocean one minute next minute you're, you know you're, you're doing your stories on your foot i don't know i don't know how you do it <laughs> i still
1: well, don't first i, I first i've <laughs> been doing that very uh for, for many years um maybe you know the sea dips about a year but i live about 10 minutes from the beach it's very cold in the uk we haven't got the aussie weather <laughs> over here exactly um I, I kind of, my alarm go, go, goes off about half past five. You know, I'm an ex-soldier, uh, so I'm used to getting up early, so it's a lot easier for me. Um, but I go downstairs, usually my I've just my daughter, Eliza's six now, and she's an early riser, so she comes down, usually wakes me up at 25 past five. Um, I go down, make a breakfast, then download my audio book or podcast, um, get my swimming kit and that. Um, go down to the beach, jump in the sea. At the moment it's pretty cold, about seven, eight degrees. Um, very, very, very cold. January so, in the UK. That, yeah, it is, yeah. So a couple a couple of minutes usually in there, which I'm at the moment I'm only doing one or two dips um a week that will go to every day as you know, as the weather gets better. So and, well the main thing is that I like to jump I like to go for a dip when the sun rises. And get, and the sun doesn't rise at the moment until about quarter to eight, which means it's you know, if I am getting up at half five and going for a walk, it's still pitch black. Um, I, I do have a, a head torch, but I, I, I much prefer a nice cold um, sunrise dip. But there, yeah, I, I, I've always gone for a walk, which I get about six thousand steps in. Then I come back, a little bit of stretching and mobility, um, plan out my day with the white with my whiteboards, um, have a look at my content quickly check emails. Um, my uh, operations manager and my videographer come in at nine, half nine, and then we and then we crack on and get to work for the day.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, and the cold showers and, and the cold therapy, Gene, what's the, what's the main benefits you've had from that, mate?
1: So a lot of people look at jumping in the sea in cold showers as pretty crazy. I think I've had the word crazy thrown around a lot. And a lot of people say, what are the benefits And, you know, I can sit and talk physiologically the benefits of cold adaptation on the body, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to talk more mindset wise and psychologically. No one likes cold showers. okay? no one sits there going, oh, I can't wait for my cold shower this morning. No one. okay? Maybe Wim Hof, but, you know, he's Wim Hof. Um, I do not wake up skipping to the beach to jump in the ocean. I don't. Everything in my body tells me not to do it, which is why I do it. Because uh, there's a great quote by John Maxwell, and and, and what he says is motivation gets you going and discipline keeps you growing. And if you rely on motivation to get things that you know that you need to do done, then you'll only do them when you're feeling motivated. You need to condition your brain to do things that you don't want to do and do them anyway because you know the benefits from them far outweigh not doing them. And this isn't necessarily cold showers. This can be going to the gym, this can be you know, right reading a chapter of a book. This could be all these things that you know you need to do to push the needle forward. So the cold showers and the sea dips are really just allowing myself to you know say to myself you're not doing it and then repeat to myself which is exactly why you're doing it. And I have yet to walk out of a cold sea without a smile on my face. I've yet really to walk out of a gym without feeling great. And you suddenly realize the things that are really hard to get yourself to do actually feel great once you've done them. And that really, for me, psychologically is why I love the cold and the cold showers and the dips so much is because it's really, really helping me have a better relationship with my own thought process and kind of question myself to push myself and do things even though I don't want to do it. And it comes down to that discipline thing. You know, if you can discipline yourself to do things, you won't have other people needing to discipline you. And it's it's as simple as that because you don't need to be motivated because you just do the work. There we go,
0: there we go, yeah, and... I can identify what you're saying with the cold showers because I've been doing that for just over two years now. But the funny thing is, James, obviously I moved out to Oz and uh, out here, it's a lot easier than the UK gets a bit tougher in the winter, you know, but it's, um, it's funny cause I went back to the UK and, uh, it was like I had to spend another day or two adapting cause even the water out there is colder. I remember I honestly felt like my nose was going to fall off when I had my first cold shower. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit, it's crazy. Yeah. It, is, it is. Even the water is much colder out there cause obviously it's colder.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's cold. It's really. I mean, it's it's January here. It's miserable. You know, if you want to, you know, a lot of people are very unmotivated, which means you have to be very disciplined to do these things. You know, I wake up and it's it's horrible. You know, it's raining. The last thing you, you know, you, i literally got hood up, head down, going to the sea, knowing that I'm about to get half naked and jump in, <laughs> and. And if you and the thing is, if I can do it here now, then I can probably do it anywhere because this is the worst um, time of year to do it, which which makes it the best time to do it. That's
0: extreme discipline, Jane. That is, but like I can imagine how it carries over still to other part, other areas of your life, right? Because this is the time where you're kind of really putting yourself to the test mentally, right? It's pitch black January peak winter in the UK.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and obviously that goes to extremes, but the thought process is the same for everything. And, and that's what we have to understand it doesn't matter on what it is that you're doing there are there are other things that I do not want to do, so I have that conversation with myself. But when I'm building up that relationship of going, "Oh, that's nice, you're doing it anyway, then I get a lot more stuff done mm. um because it comes down to that discipline of I know I don't want to do it, but I need to do it anyway mm. and fun. and that's been a, ra- a massive massive game changer for us because we're very inclined to believe the story that we tell ourselves, you know, we don't want to do it. So we don't do it. That's cool. And then you wonder why you haven't got the things that you want in life. You know, you haven't got the success. You haven't got the physique. You haven't got, you know, all of these things. And a lot of it is because you're not doing the work. And we need to be honest with that. You know, we need to be more disciplined because, you know, if you're going to go to your friends, house and say, oh, I be asked to do that. And, and they're hanging around saying, "Oh, neither could I, then you kind of let yourself off the hook for things.
0: Absolutely, and and talking about discipline, Jane. Before we just uh, crack on to the next. Uh, another little segue next. I wanted to talk to you about um, the discipline that was required to push a 140 kg sled for 16 miles. So you pushed a sled. Uh, I I didn't realize it weighs 140 kilos, James. Either that, that's news to me. I just it's, how I mean, yeah. How how how? <laughs>
1: I've I've got, I've got a good friend um called Ross Edgeley, and he coined an incredible quote for those who don't know who Ross Edgery is he's one of the first men to ever swim around the entire UK so you know he took him five months and he swam 12 hours a day and he swam around 2700 miles and the quote that he used is you have to be naive to start and stubborn to finish and I go into a lot of these things very naively but because of my stubbornness I end up finishing them and that's basically why, how I managed to do it. Um, I trained for about six, seven weeks, um, and then I just put my head down and said, right, sled, it's just you and me for the next 24 hours. And uh, it was just a case of pushing it up and down until the, the timer ran out. Um, went through a lot of different things in my head with that, but you, you learn a lot about yourself. you know. And it comes down to that voice that you have in your head, You know, th- those times where you want to stop. I think it was, uh, I was trying to understand what this was where, you know, you tell yourself you want to stop and then suddenly an hour later, you're fine. And David Goggins coins this phrase very well and he calls it the 40% rule. And he says that very much like Navy SEALs and he went through Navy SEAL training. when When you feel like that's it, that's all you have to give. When you understand that you're only at 40%, you've just got to get through that and then you will get that energy to, to go on. And that's something that I found with a lot of the endurance things that I've done over the last few years is that you do hit those points where you want to kind of give in, but you've just got to put your head down and get through them. And, uh, and, and yeah, and I had plenty of those throughout the 24 hours and I just ignored them and just, and just carried on and, I think once you've done something like that, you know, I've done another couple, a couple of crazy ones since then. Um, You kind of condition your mind to, you know, once you've done something like that, you're like, oh, okay, cool, I've done this before. We just need to get through this together, and uh, hopefully, come out on the other side.
0: Mm. And that purpose behind it as well, Jane, right? Because obviously, you raised like ten thousand pounds on that that particular one alone, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and the, the thing is, is when it was for charity. Um, and you know, this, this is for local charities, you know, that I've done it for I've, the last um, three events I've done and it's for, it's for, you know, it's for a greater cause and I don't want to let people down. So that's another massive, you know, kick up the ass because you don't want to fail because you want to, you know, you want to raise as much money for, you know, these local charities and and they're relying on, on on that fundraising too, which kind of makes me responsible to get it complete. Talk
0: to us quickly about running backwards and jumping box Everest and the other two events. The running backwards one, they crashed me. I saw how fast you can run backwards, Jamie. It's
1: insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's quite, it, it started off as a kind of a comedy thing because. Um, it was kind of my party trick, you know, after you have a few, few too many beers that I can, I, I, I tend to be able to, it was actually funny. I think it was about a year before I did the bo- uh No, I think it was a few months after the box shop There was a, there was a, I think he was an Olympic 800 metre runner that I was at a party with and I challenged him at two o'clock in the morning. I said, I I can run faster than you can run forward. And, and we drew, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so it's just been a mad talent of mine. I, I can run incredibly fast backwards. So my next charity event, I wanted to do something with backwards running and, and I just, you know, I just said, well, you know, you're pretty fast, but how fast can you, how far can you go in 24 hours? And, and, and that was kind of the, the seed was planted then. So the next event was a, a 24 hour backwards run around a track to raise money for my local children's hospice. And that was 2017. So that was when I kind of came out of the other side of, you know, kind of the meltdown and that, that that was an an incredible event you know it was i think um i think i went 109 kilometers in 24 hours and we raised around 21,000 pounds and um as with as with these things you know it was incredible when social media suddenly turns around and says well what's next and i I was just like "Hmm, okay what next and and then for some reason in my head i was just like it's got to be something to do with box jumping because no one likes box jumps i don't particularly like box jumps but let's see the next event if we can do something with the box jumps and kind of looked at the box in my in my gym 24 inches was about two foot so it's two foot box and worked out you know everest is about 20 i think it's 29,030 feet so that divided by two equates to fourteen thousand five hundred and fifteen uh, jumps on a box um, to climb Everest. So, kind of broke that down into how many I would need to do an hour um, in order to, you know, get it in twenty four hours, and kind of settled on trying to do it in twenty two hours, and that meant I had to do uh, six hundred and sixty box jumps an hour for t- for basically for 22 hours straight. And that was, that was the challenge, which I did this. I think it was about, what was it? About three months ago. So it was, uh, but how I kind of worked it out is I did, uh, 15 box jumps a minute for 45 minutes. Um, sorry, no, 13 box jumps a minute for 45 minutes, 15 box jumps a minute for five minutes. And then that was 660 in 50 minutes, which allowed me 10 minutes at the end of every hour just to, you know, change my clothes, you know, get a massage and, and mentally prepare myself for the next hour and managed to jump Everest in 22 hours and eight, hours and 18 minutes. And the, the, the most amazing thing is we raised with gift aid over 25,000 for the local children's hospice. So oh man, that's, that's yeah. And, uh, that was, that was without a doubt the toughest one. Um, I had to dig really deep in, 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 a, in a lot of, uh, times during that, but, you know, I had a lot to reflect on during that and I'd had that experience of going through those horrible, you know, ups and downs when it comes to it. So, uh, I was very grateful to have kind of completed that. That was, uh, I think probably one of my most proudest ones that I've done out of the three really, really difficult but really really rewarding
0: yeah from a physical standpoint like you would think because of I mean your legs Like, how could you physically jump towards the end that's why I can't get my head round I
1: think what people have to realise with anything is the more you do something the better you get at it and when it comes to training what they call it is the said principle it's the law of specificity so it's specific adaptation to impose demands And the more that you do something, I mean, I trained for three months, and I didn't start with 22 hours of box jumps. I started with one, then two, then three, then four. And, you know, I got a lot of injuries along the way. I got better. I got more efficient. And it's that kind of realization that, you know, you look at some incredible feats that human beings have done. You know, you've got the, um, I think it's the Kenyan runner, Kipchoge, who's just done a sub two hour marathon. Didn't he take two minutes you,
0: off it? Sorry then he take two minutes off the time was something wasn't
1: it? Yeah. yeah and crazy. when when you when you look at the speed that kipchoge did it, it it meant that he had to run at 13 and a half miles an hour <laughs> for for the entire 26.2 miles. Now ladies and gentlemen what I want you to do, and and if you fall off, I am not held responsible for for this. But just stick a treadmill. If it's in if it if it's in kilometres an hour, that's probably around twenty two, twenty three, twenty four kilometres an hour. The thing will be going probably the fastest that you can do a treadmill, and just see how fast or how long you can last. I think I I, I decided to give it a go, and I think I managed about I think it was about a minute twenty five. <sighs> And most people, even top runners, and I mean like top runners, are getting about two and a half minutes. And this guy's just done it for two hours. So you're always asking how. And like people ask me how I box jump Mount Everest. And it's just adaptation. It's training. It's amazing what your body can achieve when you condition it to be, you know, when you commit to the training that's involved and, and, you know, you believe in yourself to do it. And I didn't know if I could do it. You know, one of the, it comes down to that naive to start and stop and to finish. You know, there was some scary times in there where I did a three hour session and pulled a calf and I was like, wow, if this happens three hours in and I've got, you know, 19 hours left, how am I going to deal with this? And it's the same with the backwards run. I remember doing a six hour backwards run session and breaking down in tears. I was in so much pain and this was, and I was just trying to, figure out how the hell am i meant to do four times this amount but you, you just keep pushing forward and get better um and and, and get the training done and uh, and just have that naivety and stubbornness to finish
0: mm-hmm. no man's going gonna...
1: to but the thing I, I like to say to people that with this you know I'm, i i'm not an elite athlete i just believe in what You can achieve if you commit to the things that you do. You know, you're you're speaking to someone here who failed his GCSEs completely, and the only reason I joined the army is I was probably going to get a prison. You know, I was a little shit at school, didn't pay attention, and I learned a lot of things later on in life. I didn't. I didn't read my first book till I was 26, and and I say this to people all the time, like. You know, I'm nothing special, you're nothing special. And what matters is the things that you wake up every day and do and get better at and block out the noise and channel that energy to do. And you'll be amazed at the things you can achieve. Fantastic stuff, fantastic.
0: Talking about another thing that you brought me on to, James, uh, one of the many things you actually influenced me to focus on was stoicism, the daily stoic by Ryan Holiday, um,
1: just it was it was a game changer for me. Uh, talk to us about stoicism, Jane. So yeah, I mean the daily, Circle I still read it today. I think I'm on the fourth year of reading it now, and basically stoicism. The easy way to explain it is what it kind of teaches you is to control what you can control, and you know ease up on the things that you can't, and it allows you to. Have certain mental processes, um, certain philosophies in life about letting go of things that don't matter, about having a better perspective on things and having control over your emotions and going through different kind of mental models and conditioning to be able to do it. Because as with anything, it, it, you know, in order to build your body, you need to put it through sets and reps. Uh, in order to build your brain, you need to put it through sets and reps. And that's why I read the Daily Stoic every day. I ponder on each thing that it says. And, you know, Stoicism has very much changed my life because it's allowed me to look at things in a different way. It's allowed me to, you know, ease up on, on, on things and people and, and, and focus on the things that I can control. Because there's only a few things that you, you that you can control. You know, you you can only kind of control... Your desires, your temptations, and and the thing in between your head—you know the things that you think and the and, and how you respond to them—and there sometimes you, you know you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it, and that's very much one of the things with stoicism is learning how to respond. And if something bad happens to you, a natural tendency is to reciprocate with that thing the same that is being put on to you but what stoicism very much teaches you is to understand why that person might have done that and to have empathy and understanding for that and also knowing that you know you actually letting go of that actually helps a hell of a lot because fighting fire with fire doesn't work it it really doesn't just aggravates it and gets worse but you know, it, an example of this is if someone such as a troll or that puts a hateful comment on a on a video, you naturally want to defend or respond or get annoyed. But actually, if you respond with positivity and, and, and are actually nice to a person who's not nice to you, it's very hard for them to respond negatively. I've even had apologies in the past. I've even had people, you know change their mind just because i've been nice in response and and the best thing about being nice in response there's no stress about it because people are going through their own struggles you don't know what's going through that person's head you don't know the problems that they have and most of the time you know those who shout hate are usually shouting for help so when you understand that it allows you just to just to basically chill the fuck out a lot more and and relax and and focus on the things that matter and and most importantly don't get you know don't get wound up about the things that don't
0: yeah your, your voice is in my head uh, as well that that simple simple thing you say is uh i don't know where i heard you say this but everything is going to be fine right <laughs> you know you said yeah. i think you said that before and i just go through my head sometimes i'm like everything's going to be fine stop whinging you know
1: yeah and and also i, th- I think it, I heard this amazing Zen quote years ago and it's always stuck with me. And I always say it over and over again, because it's so true and it's the outcome is not the outcome because you know, the end is not near yet. And, uh, I kind of want to finish on this story because it's, it's an amazing story and it's a story of a, uh, a farmer who, who has horses and one of the horses, he wakes up in the morning and it's gone and uh, the village people said oh that's a shame and the, and the farmer says oh, well I don't know we'll see the next day the horse comes back but it brings back two more horses and you know the village people say well that's fortunate and the farmer says well I don't know we'll see and the day after that his son was riding one of the horses and it bucked him off and broke his leg and the village people said oh how unfortunate of your son to break his leg and the farmer said I don't know we'll see about a week later the army were rounding up a lot of the healthy fit males and uh because they were off to war and because of the son breaking his leg he couldn't go to that war. and the village people said how fortunate of your son and you know the farmer responds well i don't know we'll see and what i love about that is you'll have amazing things happen to you in your life and you'll have shit things happen to you in your life but it's not the end of your life yet. And you don't know whether that bad thing could be the best thing that ever happened to you, such as me getting made redundant. But at the same time, you don't know how all of those amazing things could be the worst thing that happened to you, which it was for me as well. But at the same time, I learned lessons from every single one, which made me better. So if you can kind of remind yourself of good or bad, you don't know yet. You just have to wait and see. Then it allows you to calm down. It allows you to focus, and it allows you to learn the lessons from whatever it is that's happening to you currently, because they will make you better if you allow them.
0: Great way to wrap this one up. Uh, just finally, Jamie, your book, right? Meltdown, your new book, and also I, I want I want the listeners to uh, to check out your, your your older book as well, uh, Mindset with Muscle, because uh, that that's obviously a top seller and a f- really powerful book as well. Um, but yeah, Meltdown. Where's the best place they can they can get that in, Jamie
1: best place is amazon so if you just go into amazon uh, type in meltdown um it's easy to see it's a bright orange book and and i'm sure if you click on that one the recommended from with that will be uh, with mindset and muscle too so melt just type meltdown into amazon and it will appear
0: awesome james Um, and where's the best place for the audience to find you
1: I think best place to find me would be on Instagram at J Alderton J Y A L D E R T O N.
0: Great stuff! And whilst you're at it, folks, go and check out because um, you've, you've obviously got your podcast as well, uh, Mindset with Muscle, which is still about, and, and you, you're starting something new
1: now, right? As well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when I spoke about body, brain, and business, I, I've helped a lot of fitness professionals over the years. I'm very passionate about helping other people with you know, with their social media, with their online business and, you know, digital marketing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very much something I'm going more into this year, which I'm excited about.
0: Amazing. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks a lot for your time, Jim. I know how uh, precious an hour of your time is, mate. So I can't thank you enough.
1: Thank you ever so much.
0: Cheers, Jim.